Well, let's, um, let's pray and get started on this uh, next phase of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, we thank you for today. Thank you again for your mercies, which have been new today, all through the day. Thank you for this time to get together and um, uh, put other things aside and talk about some of your things, um, the Holy Spirit, who is a, uh, a, an amazing gift that you've given us. And so we ask that you would, through your spirit, help us to just have a good time together learning about, learning about your spirit and um, uh, help it to go into our hearts and, and affect our lives, not just be interesting things that we're learning. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, let's just review a little bit. So you've got your sheets from last time, um, and uh, we'll uh, use them for review. I've got new sheets that take us on from where we left off last time. Um, So we talked last time about the Holy Spirit's work um, before and... before, and then at the point of salvation, and then after. And um, what do we say? Anybody want to um, give a few? Well, here, let me just read it, because um, I've got it right there. Before faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit helps to convict the sin-sickened heart of the unbeliever of its sin. The Holy Spirit helps the sin-darkened heart to understand the gospel and the Holy Spirit helps us in hardened heart to respond to the gospel. The Holy Spirit, therefore, is essential to give the sin-dead and unbeliever the ability to receive Christ in faith. So we talked about that. We talked about at the point of salvation, at faith in Christ, um, the Holy Spirit begins to live in the believer as Christ's presence. The Holy Spirit causes the person to be born again as a new creature, a child of God. And the Holy Spirit is then a seal or deposit, or down payment on the fullness of salvation yet to come. So that's, that's right here at the point. And then we started talking about um, after salvation, and we didn't finish that. Um, what passage were we working through, were we majoring on last week? First Corinthians 12. On what's First Corinthians twelve about? Okay, so yeah, First Corinthians twelve is all about the body of Christ and the spiritual gifts. So if you want, if if you're interested in that, it is the best passage. It's the fullest passage in the Bible about. Um, the, uh, the spiritual gifts and how they operate in the church. So um, that's what we talked about. Um, s- give, us some, um, give us some points maybe that you picked up or wrote down. You got, you got one, Kyle, that you wrote down or can remember um, from 1 Corinthians 12? Each person has a unique gift, okay? Um, what else you got? Somebody else? Yes. Okay, so we are the body of Christ. Um, Paul often talked 
talks about the church as the body of Christ. It's, a, it's, it's another name for the church, and we are members of it like different parts of the body, you know. Um, each one is. Okay, what else? What's another point? John, you got one? About the... All gifts are important, even the minor ones. Um, spiritual gifts bring spiritual impact. Good, good. Um, any anything else that that uh, comes to your mind or that you wrote down? Got one, Amy? That they haven't said so far? That's pretty good. Okay. All right. Um, so. Just a couple things let me mention. Um, when the Holy Spirit um, comes into us at, at the new birth, makes us born again as children of God, at this point here, he does something besides make us born again as children of, of God. He also makes us, that's when and that's who makes us members of the body of Christ. So that happens at, at salvation and carries on after uh, as the Holy Spirit lives in us, he makes us members of the body of Christ. Um, and somebody talk about just the significance of that name, the body of Christ. What's the implications of that? The church is the body of Christ. Anybody want to take a shot at that one? Okay, so we are, Jesus bodily is no longer here. Um, he ascended into heaven, but he said, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving you um, here on this earth, but I'm going to come to you through the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be my presence here. You're going to be the body of Christ. So, um, yeah, what, um, what Jesus wants to get to the world, he does it through his church. Um, okay. Uh, somebody remind us, I mean, you can look it up in your notes or if you remember, what, what, give us the definition of a spiritual gift that we, that we kind of, um, you know, we, we talked about 1 Corinthians 12, 7 um, as, as a verse that really says all the basic points of what a spiritual gift is. But then we gave you a, 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 um, a nice sentence definition of what it is. Somebody want to remind us of that? Yeah, Mary. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, so that's uh, that's that's pretty a pretty good review of what we talked about last time. Um, so now let's go on. We just have a little bit of that to finish off. Um, so let's look again at First Corinthians twelve, um, and we get it here. So. We, do, we want to finish off with verses 27 through 30. Um, so somebody read that and then explain to us. I think Paul makes two basic points in these, in these verses. Um, see if you can pick them out, okay? Somebody read 27 to the end of the chapter there. 
Okay. So what, uh, what, what main points do you pick out of that? What do you think, Steve? What do you, what do you, okay, we're all the body of Christ, he, and he said that before. Yep. What else? God appointed. Yep. What else? We're all given unique gifts. Okay. Um, yeah. Anything else? No one has the exact same gifts. Okay. Well, let's 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 talk about that. Um, my my Bible just flipped. Uh, let's see. This one hasn't been used much. It just needs to close. All right. Um, yeah, um, I think in, in addition to some of the points that are he's already made that he reiterates here, he, he wants to emphasize a couple new things. One is that, let me ask a question. According to these verses, is there anyone who has all the gifts? Okay, no one has all the gifts, all right? Is there one gift that everyone has? According to, according to these, according to these verses, is there one gift that anyone has? No. Okay. So um, he he's emphasizing this, and he comes down to this point because this was a problem in the first in the in the Corinthian church. Um, they had exalted one gift above others and said, "If you don't have this gift." You're not a Christian, or you're not spiritual. What was that gift, those of you who know 1 Corinthians? What was the gift that they had put way up here? And it's still put up there today. Tongues. Yeah, the gift of tongues. So he's, he's, he's telling them that, hey, yeah, that's kind of a flashy gift, you know? <laughs> it kind of is kind of cool, you know? But um, nobody has... There's, there's no one gift that everybody has. Um, but on the other hand, there's nobody that has all the gifts, okay? Somebody might have one or two gifts or three or four. Um, somebody might have just one, but nobody has all the gifts. And that's why we need the body of Christ. If we had all the gifts, we wouldn't need the body of Christ. We'd just go out there and do everything Jesus did, <laughs> you know? But that's why the body of Christ. So that's an important point. Um, um, I don't know if today that's, it, that's kind of faded into the background. When I first became a new Christian, um, that, that whole thing was splitting churches. Um, people coming in and saying, um, making pe Christians feel guilty because they didn't, or second class because they didn't have the gift of tongues. Um, and, um, you know, where, where Paul says, I mean, he, he actually said it here. He says, um, do all speak in tongues? Well, what's, it's a rhetorical question. What's the implied answer? Well, of course not. Do all interpret tongues? Well, of course not. Are all prophets? No, they're not all prophets. Some are prophets, some aren't. Some have the gift of tongues, some don't. Some have, some interpret tongues, some don't. So, um, yeah. Um, and then he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts, and that's that's something we can do, and he goes on to explain that later on. We don't have the time to go into that, but 
Paul really likes the gifts that have to do with communicating. Well, get this, the, the word of God, which is what? The main tool of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so Paul says, man, if you're gonna, if you really, you know, think, man, I really am anxious to have a certain gift. Well, let it be one of these gifts that help people know and understand the word of God. He said, that's, that's really cool. If you want a really cool <laughs> gift. I mean, the other ones are good too. And um, like, like John said, and he makes the point, we should not um, um, denigrate any gift because they're all absolutely necessary. So th- that's, that's the basics, basic points of 1 Corinthians 12, okay? Um, so now, um, <clears throat> there's, another, there's another passage. Let's turn over to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, because here, Paul puts it all together and shows us how this all works in the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians 12 is a lot about the gifts. You know, uh, the, like, we, like, we, like we heard, the Holy Spirit gives these gifts, different ones to different people, and they're all necessary, and we shouldn't look down on some gifts. We shouldn't look down on, uh, look, look down on ourselves because we don't have certain gifts. You know, they all work together, all that kind of stuff. But how do they work together? in the body of Christ. Well, he explains that really, really well in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Um, and this is, this is another great passage that kind of is a partner to 1 Corinthians 12. So um, let's, let's go through this. And a lot of times, uh, um, this could actually be a whole session. Sometimes I just we'll have a Bible study with like church leaders and stuff um, to talk this through. But um, um, I'm going to go through it sort of quickly so we can get through other stuff. So let's read it. Um, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Uh, somebody read verse 11. Okay, before you go on, um, in general, who are these people? Well, in, in the body of Christ, what particularly are these kind of people that he just listed here? Leaders. Okay, so he's saying Jesus, through the gifts of the Spirit, has given the church various types of leaders, okay? Um, there's there's um, uh, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, apostles, different types of leaders, okay? So, I mean, you could talk about each one of those, but for now... The important point is, verse 11, he starts out and says, Jesus has given the church various types of leaders, okay, gifted by the Spirit. Now, somebody read, go ahead, Kyle, read verse 12. Okay, so now, this answers the question, why did Jesus give the church various types of leaders? What are they supposed to do? They're supposed to equip. Yes. And who are they supposed to equip? The saints. Who are the saints? Everybody. All the Christians. Saints is a a word Paul uses for uh, true Christians. Okay? So, Jesus, so follow the logic here. He gives the church various types of leaders gifted by the Spirit. What does he give them for? He gives them to the church so they can equip 
Christians in the church to do what? Why? Why should he equip him? What for? Okay, for the work of ministry and, number two, building up the body of Christ. Okay? So, whose is the work of ministry? The saints. Okay? So we've got a misnomer here. We talk about pastors as ministers. Well, we're all ministers. According to this, pastors are not ministers. Elders are not ministers. They're equippers. Okay? We are equippers. Who's supposed to do the ministry? All of us. Everybody. Pastors, elders, people out there, everybody. Everybody in the church is supposed to minister and build up the body of Christ. It's not up for the leaders, the elders, and the pastor to build up the body of Christ. You see? We're all supposed to do that. So what do the leaders do? They just sit around twiddle their thumbs? No, what are the leaders supposed to do? Equip. Okay, so the leaders are supposed to equip. So this is how, so Paul is telling us how this whole thing called the body of Christ, he's telling us how this thing is supposed to work in real, everyday life. Okay, so then we got verses 13 and 14. Go ahead, Kyle, you're doing a good job. Read this. Now, what these verses tell are the intended goal or outcome of this ministry in building up the body of Christ that is done by the membership. Okay, so what, what, read some of those. Okay, so here are the intended goals or outcomes of this ministry being done in the body of Christ, by the body of Christ. List some of those. What are some of the outcomes, the good outcomes? Okay, there's unity in the faith, not just unity. I mean, it's important, unity in the faith. I mean, some people are, oh, unity at any cost. No, that's not, the Bible never talks about that. It's not unity at any cost. It's unity in the faith, okay, with those who share faith. But if we share faith, then we should be unified, okay? All right, what else? Okay, we all attain to unity of the faith and a knowledge of the Son of God. And remember, the word for knowledge in Greek and in Hebrew as well is is an experiential knowledge. Remember, it's the same word for... um, and Adam knew Eve. In other words, he had intercourse with her. I mean, it's, it's a relational type of word, you know? Um, it doesn't just mean, oh, yeah, I know a whole bunch about Jesus. No, it means knowing him personally and intimately, okay? And what else? Okay, mature uh, manhood in the faith. Um, in, in fact, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ, okay? So we're no longer children tossed around. We're, we're strong, we're firm. Okay, so these are all good outcomes. Let's go back. How does a church become a church like this, according to these verses, what we just read in 11 and 12? 
and then the and then the body of Christ does its work. Okay? Equipping in the body of Christ does its work. This is the outcome of church like this. Okay, so we want a church like this. This is how it should function. Okay? You'll never have a church like this if the pastor does all the work. Okay? All right. And then 15 and 16 um, talks about the method, okay? So 11 and 12 kind of give you a hint of that, but then 15 and 16, he really parses it out. How is this supposed to work in the body of Christ so that it functions rightly and you get those good results? Go ahead, Kyle, read 15 and 16. Okay, there you go. That's how it's supposed to work. I mean, he starts out with speaking the truth. That's the truth of God. Okay, interesting. Once again, what's the prime tool of the Holy Spirit? The truth, the word of God. So he starts right out there, speaking the truth, but how? In love, okay? Um, We are to grow up. And who's supposed to be speaking that truth? Yeah, us, okay? We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which, with, which it is, and which, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Okay, so there, I think somebody said already, when, everybody, when everybody's doing their job, you, that's why everybody's got the gifts of spirit, they're using the gifts. Hey, Joe. Um, and um, uh, they're being equipped. And um, there's another word that doesn't appear here, um, overseer, because they are leaders. These guys are leaders. They do oversee. They do give direction, but they don't do all the work. They oversee and direct and equip, but the work is done by everybody else. So um, everybody has to do his, his or her part, and that's why the gifts are important. Um, and this is why uh, at the heading of this, of this section, we said the church, the body of Christ, is the main workshop of the Holy Spirit. So you've got the main purpose of the Holy Spirit, to glorify Christ. And notice how much, how much he emphasizes that here. What's the church supposed to grow up to look like? Jesus Christ. Okay, that means us as individuals, but also the church as a whole. It's a it's a dual thing. Okay, um, so Christ. So again, the world is dotted here and there with people and churches who look like and act like and minister like Jesus Christ. So that Jesus Christ is known and loved throughout the world. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do, and that's what the church is all about. Um, so um, the main work of the Holy Spirit in building up and reaching out is done in and through the body of Christ. Okay, that's why we said the, the, the main workshop of the Holy Spirit is the church, the body of Christ. Okay, questions? Um, 
what was new to you or is new to you? What difference does it make or should this make to us? We're all in this together. Yep. Mm -hmm. We should learn what our gift is. Yep. Which we'll talk about here in a minute. Event. Yep. It's got big implications, doesn't it, John, for us as leaders? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I like to diagram it like this a lot of times. Um, I think a lot of people, um, especially because there are a lot of traditional churches that have a different perspective of the church, and it's even, like I said, it's even reflected in some of the names we give, like minister um, to, to leadership. Um, it looks something like this. So you've got, you've got Jesus up here, okay? And, of course, he's the head, okay? We all know that. He's the head. And then you've got, like, leader, leader one, okay? Um, some might call him maybe, let's say, a archbishop or something like that. And then you've got, Leader two, let's say he's just a bishop. And then you've got maybe leader at level three, that might be a pastor. And then you got leader level four, and that might be an elder, something like that. And then you've got, then you've got down here, you've got Christians, members. All right, and a lot of people look at it like this. What Jesus wants to get to these people passes down this way, okay? And a lot of people have that in their minds. Well, these guys are closer to God. Um, you know, the, these guys get the directions, and they just pass them on to this, and we're the peons down here just kind of doing what they say, okay? And a lot of people have this kind of thing in their minds, um, pass down, pass down, pass down, pass down. It finally gets to these guys. A lot of people have that kind of, you know, it might not be that blatant or something, but because of church traditions that they've come out of, um, a lot of people, yeah, that's kind of how it is, you know. Maybe they don't have all these. Maybe it's just, maybe they've got it, maybe it's just this. Maybe it's just Jesus to the pastor and elders to the Christians. Maybe it's just like that. Maybe we don't, maybe we're Baptists and we don't have all those other guys anymore. But um, a lot of people, that this is how it looks, you know. Um, what Paul is saying is, is, is that is, it's not supposed to work that way. It's supposed to work uh, more like this. So 
So Jesus, and then And these are all people in whom Jesus dwells. And they all have connection with Jesus. The same connection. Okay. Now, this guy over here, he's some kind of a leader. Okay. But he's... He's got the same connection to Jesus as everybody else does, okay? And, and the interesting thing is that if Jesus wants to, say, give a word to this guy, he might use the leader. But he might not. He might use this guy over here, okay? In fact, if, if, God, if Jesus wants to, to give a word to the, the leader, he might use this woman over here. Okay? Um, so what you got then with this gift thing is you got all these arrows going like this. Jesus just, what's the Jesus in us is ministering Jesus to each other, and it's just going like that. Okay? All right? Um, and that's, <clears throat> now what the leaders do, they try and make some order out of this, all this chaos. Okay? They're overseers, all right? They're overseers to make sure this thing works in some kind of organized fashion. They don't want to stop it. They don't want to squelch it. That's, that's a tricky thing. You want to put some organization to it, but in a way that doesn't squelch what's happening, um, but enhances it. Because organization can enhance good operating. It doesn't have to. Some people are against, or, ah, you know, it's, church is too organized. Well, it can be. But good organization, is it can be a benefit, okay? And that's what we're tri- striving for, isn't it, John? To get that balance, you know? Um, so um, that's, that's, that's how it's supposed to work, all right? And when it works like that, that's when you get a church that's growing up like Christ and ministering like Christ out there. And, of course, the, the leaders, um, here, here's a leader, too, for example, these guys are, are, they have a special role. It's not that leaders aren't special. They've got the same relationship to Christ, but their special role is not somehow that they're closer to Christ or more, more a bigger, bigger somehow than these other people. Um, th- their special role is that they've been gifted by the Holy Spirit to equip and oversee. All right, so they go around equipping. So, um, does that make sense? Any any questions? Any um, any other comments or or um, things you'd like to say or ask about? So, my prayer for any church I've ever been in, and it, I, I think I mentioned it before, the. Um, the, vision, the mission statement of our ministry in Rwanda was to help the church function as the body of Christ. Well, that's, that's what I pray. I pray this for Fathom. Every time I pray for Fathom, I pray this. May God, may you help us function as the body of Christ like this. Okay. That's, 
Some, some prayers are like 90% prayers. You know, you just pray that, and, you know, there's all kinds of details. I can pray, you know, fathom my, you know, maybe they need a new staff member, or maybe, you know, you pray for the children's ministry, or you pray, you know, all these little detail things, and those are important. But there's a 90% prayer. This is a 90% prayer. God, help the church. If I don't pray anything else for, for the Fathom Church, help the church in Rwanda functions the body of Christ. That's 90% of what, what we need to pray for the church, okay? So, all right. Um, good. It's a beautiful thing, you guys. The body of Christ. I love it. It's, it's, it's one of the most beautiful concepts in the, um, in the New Testament. So, um, here's a list on your papers there. Here's a list of gifts mentioned in the letters of the New Testament. Okay, um, they're not all here in 1 Corinthians 12. There's some more in Romans 12. Um, and there's scattered here and there references to, to other things. But th- this is the basic list. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, evangelism, teaching, exhorting or encouraging, helping or serving, leading, giving, mercy. Let me just ask, are there any of these you want to talk about? You have questions about that? Probably are. Take a look over there and think a little bit. Um, I'm not going to talk about them if, if, you know, you're thinking. Somebody's saying, yeah, all of them. (laughs) Well, it could be. That's fine, too. But um, anybody got a particular one you'd like to discuss and and ask about? What what the heck is that? Carnegie. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Gift of mercy. Okay. Um, anybody got any ideas? Anybody think they might have that gift? Gift of mercy. What is mercy anyway? If somebody has mercy, what do they what do they have? There's a merciful type person. Forgiveness, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mercy. Empathy, yeah. And especially with people, I mean, I picture mercy as people that are really struggling or really had something bad happen to them. And, and just having mercy, just ministering goodness to that person in their hard time. That's a gift of mercy, trying to lift them up, you know, um, sympathy. So I think it's that kind of a gift. And you know there are people that do that well. A lot of us try and do that, but it's like, hmm, I don't think it did much good, but I did it because I should. good. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. Okay, so mercy, a a merciful person, somebody with this gift of mercy, um, is that kind of a person? 
just has that ability, all right? We'll talk about that. Oh, well, let, let's go ahead and talk about that. It's a, it's a good one you brought up there because um, um, I, I think to understand some of these, um, look, look ahead in your paper there. Um, Look at number four. What does number four say? Things to note about the spiritual gifts. Number four. Somebody read that. Okay, so this is one of them, right? We're all supposed to be merciful, aren't we? Isn't that a command to all Christians? But there are those with the gift of mercy. Okay, there are those with the gift of mercy, all right? Um, just like we are all to be witnesses, but there are those with the gift of evangelism, okay? Um, we are all to help people, but there are those with the gift of helps, okay? So there are a lot of gifts like that, a number of them, and mercy, that's one of them. So those who have this gift, um, I think there's four things. You might, you might come up with some more. Um, but if you have the gift of mercy, if you have the gift of evangelism, if you have the gift of helping, you're good at it. You're just good at it. You're not like me, and I try and have mercy, and it's like they might say, man, I wish he hadn't said that. That was, that was really, that was about as helpful as it was. I don't know what, but so, um, no, they're, they're good at it. And when that person leaves, that person is going, man, that person really ministered to me. You know, you ever had somebody do that? Gift of mercy, okay? They're good at it. And number two, uh, related, it has spiritual results. Now, that goes to somebody said, a spiritual gift has spiritual impact. There are, there are non-Christians who are merciful, you know, but... Remember, a spiritual gift is, is a manifestation of the Spirit. It's not a manifestation of your natural ability. It's a manifestation of the Spirit. So there's something spiritual about it that has a spiritual impact. So when this person who has the gift of mercy ministers mercy to somebody, there's a spiritual impact to it that gets It goes into the, has a spiritual impact from the spirit, okay? Uh, number, number three, you have a great burden in that area. If you have that gift, you just have to have mercy. I mean, it, you, you live and breathe that stuff, okay? You live and breathe that stuff. You just have to. You're just looking for those kinds of opportunities, whereas I'm going, man, that's, those kind of things scare me off. I never know. I mean, I man, visiting people in the hospital? Okay, yeah, I'll do it. But man, that's tough. No, the person with gift of mercy says, man, I gotta go visit that person. And does it with a smile and say, man, I, yeah. Okay. Um, and that's number four. They enjoy the use of their gift. They just enjoy, they come away from that going, yes. <sighs> that made my day. You know? Whereas for me, I'm going, wow, what a day. I did that check off my list, you know, that kind of deal. So, um, okay, so you can apply that. 
You can apply that to evangelism, okay? We're all supposed to be witnesses. But if you have the gift of evangelism, you're good at it. You're not just stumbling around. You're good at it. And all these people that teach on evangelism, they're good at it. And what bothers me is they don't realize, some, some of them don't. Some of them do, but many of them don't realize they have the gift of evangelism and what they do, other people cannot do. It will not work for them like that because they have the gift and they think, well, it should be, it's easy for me. It should be easy for you. Well, it's not because you don't have the gift. Okay? Um, and it has spiritual results. I mean, I, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I've witnessed to many, many people, and I think in all my life, except for, well, the fruitful fields of Rwanda where, you know, um, anybody responds to anything. (laughs) Um, I don't, I I can think maybe one or two people in my whole life that have come to Christ. I've got a friend, Don Orvis, the guy who led me to Christ. This guy's leading people to Christ every week. Every week. He goes into a restaurant, and the, 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 the gal comes over. I mean, we were with him. The gal comes over, and, and he says, how are you doing? She says, well, I'm having a rough day. He says, oh, you are? What's, what's going on? And he says, you know, um, when's your break time? And she tells him, he says, you know, I'll, I'll just wait around. It's, it's not long. I'll wait. You, you want to talk? She says, well, sure. I'd love to talk. They're talking. Leads her to Christ. <laughs> you know, if I did that, she'd go, uh, I don't think so. You know, the stranger, sure, she's going to wait on her break and talk to this old man stranger. He's older than I am. but (laughs) So, I mean, it it works, uh, and it gets spiritual results, um, and it's a great burden, that area of ministry. I mean, he lives and breathes evangelism, evangelism. That's his gift, and he enjoys it. I I evangelize because I feel like I should, and I, I feel like, I've got a responsibility. If, I, if I'm in a job and I'm working with somebody, some, some, some time along there, I want them to know who I am. I want them to know I'm a Christian, and I want to say a word of testimony for Christ. And I feel like that's important, and I do that. But it doesn't bring results, and it's hard, and, but I do it, and I do it the best I can. It doesn't mean I shouldn't do it, but it's not like Don Orvis, man. I know other people like that, too. So... Um, <clears throat> It's true with the gift of helps. It's true with, with all, the, all these gifts that have to do with, that are very similar to responsibilities that every Christian has, okay? So we jumped ahead to number four because of Megan's question there. So that's the gift of mercy. Somebody with the gift of mercy loves to have mercy. They're looking for opportunities to have mercy. They do it well, and it has a spiritual impact on people's lives and their faith. And people leave and say, you know, that person, man, Whenever that person comes to visit me, man, there's something different. Yeah. All right. Any, what other gifts you want to bounce off? A little ideas off. Miracles. Okay. Miracles. All right. Um, I think we all believe that God can do miracles whenever he wants and with, with anybody he wants. Okay. Um, and he can do miracles in response to our prayers. Um, but I don't. When you see this miracle at work in the New Testament, this is not miracles in response to prayer. This is miracles in response to the person with the gift of miracles that says, in the name of Jesus, get up 
and walk. That's not a prayer. That's not a prayer. That's the gift of miracles. And I don't know anybody that has the gift of miracles. I've never met anybody that has the gift of miracles. And even some of these guys that have the big crusades and everything and say they have the gift of miracles, I don't believe it. I, don't, I haven't seen people do that. Generally, I went to a big rally in Rwanda, this one, big, one guy that um, was, what came as a, as a healer. And, I, and people were healed. I, there's no doubt about that. But here's what happened. There was a, there was a crowd of like 5,000 people there in the stadium or wherever it was. I guess it was outside. And he preached. And then he said, now, if some of you are sick, how many of you are sick and have something you'd like us to pray for? You know, half the people raised their hand, you know. said, well, well put your hand on wherever you're sick. So, and he said, now let's pray. So they prayed. And out of that group of 5,000, maybe five or ten people were healed as a result of their prayers. I've never seen anybody go line up here, you know, out of, of 5,000 people, 2,500 people raised their hand. He didn't go down the line and go, in the name of Jesus, be healed. 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 Never seen it. Never seen it. So maybe you have. Um, my, my, one of my friends in Rwanda said he was in India, and he saw that happen. They were, they were doing some street evangelism, and the, and the Indian evangelist he was with, there was a crippled guy, his legs were all like, you know, like all twisted up and little and everything. And he said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And his legs straightened out and he got up and he walked. Um, and I've never seen anybody do that. I've seen people pray for people and get healed. And we all, we all, we've all seen that. But just, just to say, you know. So um, that's my take on the gift of miracles and healing, those, those things like that. Um, I believe God can give those gifts, and I believe he, he, he manifests those gifts, especially in areas where the gospel is making new headway. I mean, when you read stories about Islam countries, Islamic countries where the gospel is pushing in, and it's hard, and it's resistant, it's been centuries with no response, no response. And when God is breaking through, people are having dreams, visions, People are getting healed. Amazing things are happening. Um, and God is doing that, I think, because of those situations. He doesn't just throw his miracles around like that, you know? Like I said in my sermon, miracles are miracles because they don't happen all the time, you know? So anyway, that's, that's, um, that's my take on that one. Yeah, I think in the last days we'll see some of that. What else? Any, any other ones? This is my take on them. I mean, you can read books. There are books written on these things. This is how I look at these miracles from, um, I mean, these, these, these types of gifts. Um, anybody else got a, got a question? One or two more. Anybody? Well, I don't know. That could be. It could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's probably true. And I don't know if that's just a gift or if that's just a special. It's kind of like when you, pr you can pray for somebody and they're healed. doesn't mean you have the gift of healing, but God can do that through you. Or God can give you a specific word of wisdom 
Um, you know, like I, I think my, uh, my friend in Rwanda, Muyombano, Joseph, I think he's got the gift of a word of wisdom. It just seems like people come to him, and, and when, when they have issues and problems, he can just zero in on and give them a word that when they go away, they go, yes, yes, that's what I needed to hear. And it really is a word that gives direction for their lives um, at that point in that situation. And there are people like that. And they don't, he's not stumbling around trying to figure out, well, what should I say to this person? And he really enjoys it, too. He looks for opportunities to do that, you know. Um, so, um, so that's consistency. That doesn't mean, though, that if I'm talking to somebody and that person really needs a word of wisdom, um, that God can't work through me as well and give that person at that time an appropriate word. But it doesn't happen all the time, like a, like a gift word. Yeah, Steve? Word of knowledge. Okay, and here's my take on it. I think it's like, it's, I think it's like when Peter, when Ananias and Sapphira in Acts, Acts, is it 4 or 5? Um, not, not Ananias and Sapphira. And, and, um, yeah, the, the ones that sold the, 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 yeah, that sold the land and they kept a part of it back. Well, that was their secret. But the word of knowledge is the ability to know some, some knowledge that you shouldn't know. There's no way that Peter, he didn't have spies out. I mean, the Spirit just revealed that to him. Peter, these guys are lying to you because of this and this and this. Okay. And that's, as, as far as I know, that's the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge. Discernment, discernment of spirits is like, um, um, as, again, as I understand it, is, is um, the, the, the ability to discern um, the presence of evil spirits, um, especially. And it, people, like I, I was just in an interview with, with uh, uh, interviewed some, some people from um, North Africa and, and experience in, in um, uh, encounters with, people that had problems with demons and stuff like that. And, and um, she talked about one of the people that she called to help with this one woman who was having troubles was somebody with the gift of discernment who could, who could um, readily discern, okay, yeah, this, this woman has a spirit, and this is particularly the kind of thing that the spirit is doing with this person. And here's what we should do about it. So... That's that's how I've seen it operate. So again, it's 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 just my take on these things, and, and you know you, you can read other things. So, all right. Um, I know there's a question: are are the are the gifts um, are there some gifts that are no longer given? I don't I don't think so. Um, I think God can give gifts at any time to anybody who wants any of the gifts. Um, th- that doesn't mean that they're always operating at all the time. Like I said, I I don't know anybody. In all my life, uh, I, I've never known anybody with the gift of miracles or healings that can just go in the name of Jesus, boom. A lot of people praying for stuff like that. But um, that doesn't mean he can't, and he has in some place in the world, in some of these frontier areas where the gospel is going. And maybe in, in the end times, I think we'll see maybe more of this kind of stuff. But, um, um, yeah, 
So that doesn't mean that every gift is going to be manifested all the time or that every church has to have every gift. Okay. All right. So um, that's just a little bit on that. There are books written on that stuff. So um, let, let's go on then, and let's, let's talk through. We talked about number four, things to note about the gifts of the Spirit. Number one is, just realize, none of the lists in the New Testament are exhaustive. So what does that say? That means that here Paul didn't list all the gifts. And in Romans, he didn't list all the gifts. So these are not necessarily all the gifts that ever God will ever give, either then or now or throughout history. Okay? I think as the church functions as the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit in different times and different ages will give various gifts. Okay? I mean, he didn't mention here the gift of worship or music, and I think um, you see that in the Old Testament how certain people were gifted, given that particular job, and that was their job, to sing and worship in the assembly of the people of God. And so why shouldn't we, wouldn't, why wouldn't that be a gift today? So again, what's the difference between somebody that's just musical and somebody that has the gift of the spirit of music and worship music? Spiritual gift has spiritual impact. Okay, it's a manifestation of the spirit. It's just not a manifestation of the training they've had as a musician. Okay? So, um, what are the gifts? What might we see operating today in the body of Christ to help it function the way it needs to today? <clears throat> I've got a friend who's a web designer, an app designer. Um, um, and he has he has come up with a um, it's it's beautiful. He draws it like this. It's a funnel, and it's geared towards um, people who are in um, Muslim and resistant countries where it's dangerous to even start thinking about being a Christian. You cannot talk to somebody. You cannot open a Bible. If you did, you might be killed. So what he's got, he's de designed um, programs, apps, websites for these people out here that are anonymous and do not want to be known that they're even vaguely thinking about it. Well, they can think about it. Chris Wynn, that's who I'm thinking about. Chris Wynn, tremendous, tremendous thing. I think it's a, it's a, it's a gift of the Spirit that God give the, gave this guy and others that he's working with. And so um, this, this, uh, this program, it takes them through steps and it channels them, it channels them, it channels them down this funnel until they get here and they're ready to make a decision. And they're, they, they're, convinced enough that they're willing to take the risk and see somebody face to face. And then what they have is, in the countries, North African countries, they've got people on the ground, disciples, who are ready to take these people. And when they get to this point, 
they say, I'm ready to meet with somebody. And then they hook them up with somebody in, 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 in uh, where, Morocco or Libya or someplace like that. They've got people on the ground there, local Christians. And so then this person comes into contact with a real-life Christian, and they get together. That, I, I love that, man. I was praying for that guy, Chris Wynn. I think that's a gift God given for the church today to get the job done, to be the body of Christ. I think, why not, man? He loves what he's doing, and he's good at it. It's got a spiritual impact. I mean, it's, it's powerful stuff. I mean, people are coming to Christ in these countries like never before, and a lot of it's because of this kind of stuff. I don't know. Do you see any others that might be there? Yeah, there might be writers, you know, gifted writers. Um, I mean, look at C.S. Lewis. I mean, what, what if what if we'd what if we'd never had C.S. Lewis, you know that one guy? Um, wow. So, okay. So um, they're they're out there. Number two, there are gifts. Now, if you look at the gifts, um, just realize this is nothing big. This is no big deal. There, you you can look at that list uh, and see there are gifts that have to do with ministering the word of God. All co- different kinds of gifts that way. Um, there are gifts that enable people to do miracles, like healing and miracles, things like that. Um, there are gifts that have to do with caring for others, like if helps, mercy, things like that. And then there are gifts that have to do with leading the church. That's, that's kind of what we see, these kind of big categories of, of gifts there. But all are given to help the church fulfill its responsibilities as the body of Christ. Um, number three, there can be subdivisions of gifting, Okay. Um, let's take evangelism, for example. Suppose the Spirit gives somebody the gift of evangelism. Well, it's not generic, I don't think, because I know there are people that are good, big crowd evangelists that are not good one-on-one, okay? Or vice versa, evangelists that, like my, my friend Don Orvis and um, some others I know, amazing one-on-one evangelists, but they wouldn't ever stand in a stadium and give us give them a gospel message. They're just, mm-mm, that's not the kind of evangelists they are. Okay, so there, there are different types. There are people who are evangelists, excellent evangelists with children, but they're, they're not that good with adults or vice versa. Really good at sitting down with college students, leading them to Christ, but not very good with a five-year-old. You know, so there are there are branches of gifts, and you can you can think with teaching. There are, there are people who are good um, small group teachers, but man, don't don't ask them to do a seminar. But they're excellent small group leaders. There are others who are excellent seminary professors, but they don't do very good in a Sunday school class. Some of them do, but some of them don't. You know, so um, yeah, there are, there are branches, subdivisions of gifting. So. If you've got a gift, you think, okay, yeah, it's, it might just apply in this kind of area. Um, and that's okay. That's the way it is. Um, look at the variety. God is a God of variety. He, I mean, he, he 
created, he didn't just create one kind of bird. There's, they say there's like 10,000 species of birds in the world. So, you know, that sort of thing. Um, we talked about number four. Um, let, me, let me just say there, your main ministry in the church, I, I think, this is my take on it. Your main ministry in the church should be something for which you have the gift. Okay? Um, for example, those who do not have the evidences of the gift of evangelism should not make that their main ministry in the church. It doesn't mean they, they might not do that. You know, if the church is all going out and they're going door to door, maybe it's a church plant and you're all supposed to go out and the, the whole church is going out and putting leaflets and talking to people. Well, you do that. But um, probably as a church gets established and everything, um, that's probably not going to be your main ministry in the church. Find out what your gift is. Make that your main ministry. You don't want that to be an excuse not to do what needs to be done. But you want your main ministry to be in your area of gifting, okay? I'm a teacher, and I, I, I seriously believe that God is not going to ask me when I get before him, well, Gary, how come you weren't a pastor? You weren't a very good pastor. You didn't even try. Well, I wasn't gifted. No, he's going to ask me, Gary, I gave you the gift of teaching. What did you do with that? And I tell him, I used it with all my heart. Wherever I could, wherever it was needed, I did it, man. Thank you. But pastoring, oh, man. Praise God for Chris. So, um, number five, there are gifts of the Spirit now, this is similar. There are gifts of the Spirit that overlap our natural abilities or talents, okay? And a lot of people ask about that. They're not the same. They might overlap, but they're not the same, you know? There are teachers, there are good teachers who do not have the gift of teaching. Remember, what is it about a, a spiritual gift? It has a spiritual impact, okay? It's a manifestation of the Spirit. It's not a manifestation of my training, it's not a manifestation of how, how smart I am. It's not a ma manifestation of, of, of um, my experience. It's a ma manifestation of the Spirit. So um, I might be a, a, a teacher, a decent teacher, without the gift of the Spirit. But if I have a gift of the Spirit, my teaching is going to have what? Spiritual impact. And that's true with music. You know, you can you say the same thing. Somebody, somebody's just a musician. Okay, yeah, musician. But if they have the gift, have a spiritual impact. And, and go on like that, okay? Um, number six, gifts are given by the Spirit, not by schools or diplomas, all right? So training, so going to Denver Seminary isn't going to give you the gift, brother, okay? You know that. Training in the area of a person's gifts will enhance the use of that gift, okay? So, training in something that is not one's gift will not make that person effective in that gift, okay? Much harm is done when the church assigns work just on the basis of schooling rather than gifting. You shouldn't, if you don't have the gift of a pastor and you graduate from a Bible school, with a diploma, and you become a pastor, woe to that church. Sorry, church. Shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. Um, in many situations today, 
the proper use of a gift requires schooling just because of the level of things, technology and, and uh, people's expectations and everything. You know, if you're going to be a pastor today, you got those gifts, you, better, you probably better go to school somewhere, get some of that training, you know. Um, number seven, and this will close, we'll close on this, I think, and um, you can be thinking about this, okay? Here are some ways that can help Christians, you, discover their, your spiritual gifts, okay? Um, kind of goes with number five above. So have them try various works and ministries, all right? So try different things, all, all different kinds of stuff. If you're a new Christian, try different types of stuff. And then ask, what do you enjoy? Okay, you've tried a bunch of things. Is there anything in there that you, that you enjoy doing? Ask, what do you learn quickly or easily? Um, ask, what are you good at that really helps others by their testimony, not yours? Okay. Um, ask, for what do you have a burden or zeal? Ask, what do mature counselors in the faith say about you? Can you say, hey, Mary, I think, you know, I think maybe you have this, I think you're gifted in this. Why don't you try this, you know? Somebody gifted. And that's, that's part of what leadership, I think, is a, it's a good role for leaders to do that kind of thing. Um, so um, it's not just one of these things. Because I might enjoy doing something, and everybody else is going, man, that guy, when he teaches, I don't get anything out of it. But man, I'm having a good time <laughs> teaching. I mean, I've seen that happen, you know? <laughs> yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a good question, and and I. Yep. And play the guitar with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's true, Royce. Um, we all struggle with that because we want to be nice to people. We we don't want to um, squelch somebody's, especially if they're a new Christian, their zeal to get involved or anything like that. I mean, one thing you do is say, "Well, okay, I would teach them about spiritual gifts, and I would teach them some of these things, and I would say, okay, well, let's try it and see." Okay. And we'll try it and see. And that's, that's part of the work of the elders and the overseers or ministry. It doesn't have to be elders. It's like if you're head of a children's ministry. Sometimes we have to be tough, you guys. I mean, we don't like to be tough in the church. But, you know, if, we let, if we're letting people minister 
in areas that aren't their gifting, and it's driving everybody else nuts. We're loving that person more than we're loving the body. We're, we're being nice to that person and harming the body. So we have to be careful of that. We've got to keep that balance, you know? Um, so sometimes we just have to, be, have to be a little bit tough, I think, Royce. I don't know. And sometimes we're not willing to say that tough word, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I've been on, I've been on committees for, um, you know, um, approving people for, you know, this or that or the other thing. And, uh, man, sometimes, yeah, they're, oh, they're such nice people. And so they want to, they, they, they want them to do the ministry. And I'm going, Um, but I think teaching is good. I think, I think a, a, if, if a church is taught these kinds of things, and that last one asks, what do mature counselors in the faith say? Um, that's important. And that other, that number four bullet point asks, what are you good at that really helps others? By their testimony, by the other's testimony, not yours, okay? Um, that's important too. You know, so you do a little background. Okay, um, you know, we had these candidates, uh, our elder candidates. Are, are any of them here? Okay. Um, you know, they, they preached. What'd you think? You know, um, he thought it was pretty good. Or maybe he thought it wasn't very good. What'd you think about it? Honestly, because this is serious stuff. We don't want you just to try and make this guy feel good. We want to know, do you think this, oh, yeah, but you preached. So you've got to be careful here, you know. We, we don't want this guy to f- just feel good. We want him to know, yes or no, is this really something that this guy should be doing? And we don't always take things that seriously, you know? We just, we would like to be nice to people. And we should be nice to people. And there, we, we should find kind ways to do it. But that's sometimes hard. All right, good question, man. Um, so how many of you th- know, have an idea of what your spiritual gift is? Okay, good. Um, well, use use some of these things and do some investigation, okay, and and uh, see if you can figure it out a little bit. Uh, sometimes, sometimes all it takes is um, if you've been in a in a church or community for a while, just ask your colleagues who've been in there a while, um, mature ones in the faith. What do you think? Do you think I have a spiritual gift? Which one do you think I might have? And yeah, I mean, if somebody's somebody's been around a while, they'll probably be able to come close to something if they've seen you in action, if they've seen you in various doing various things. Um, that's that's might be a place to start. But uh, of course, try various things. Like I, I tried, yeah, when I was a young Christian, I tried all kinds. I tried evangelism. We went door to door to Mormons. We went to Salt Lake City. And um, for, for a month, and knocked on doors every day, Mormons, Mormons, every day. Man, it wasn't my bag, man. Um, I didn't have a bicycle. We didn't wear suits. One guy got punched out. Um, it, was, it was crazy stuff. Um, but um, I, I tried going down. There was an inner city work, and uh, they needed help with the, with the kids. So I went down there um, um, every day for like 10 days. Um, for a couple hours to help with these little kids. I'm like, 
man, I can't, I can do this, but man, it's hard, and I don't know if they're getting anything out of it. And I saw the people that were there, and they're just like my sister, man. She loved, she can't get enough of kids, you know. So I tried all kinds of things, but you need to do that and see see where see what's going to work. Um, and that that's not that it's all about you. It's all about trying to find. If, if the Holy Spirit really has given you something, something's going to click somewhere. And I really do believe, I mean, just think about it. Doesn't it make sense that if the Holy Spirit has given you a gift, that you should use it? And that if, if, if I've got the gift of teaching, but I feel guilty because I'm not a pastor, and so I throw my effort into becoming a pastor, and I'm really supposed to be a teacher, is that really what I'm supposed to be doing? Or if I've got the gift of helps, but I feel guilty because I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I try and be this evangelist, evangelist, evangelist. That's not to say we shouldn't witness, you know, as we're helping people. But that's, that's different, you know. Um, yeah, so f- figure it out. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of churches are are are, are staff driven. Staff. I mean, the staff does 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 a lot of stuff. And this, this a big church should have a big staff. But four, what we say in Ephesians four, what should the what should the what should the staff be doing? The leadership, equipping, overseeing, equipping, giving direction. Okay, overseeing, equipping, giving direction. So as the church grows, it's going to have to be more of that. Well, I think so. I mean, I, I, I think it, um, it, it takes a lot of joy out of it. Um, I'll, I'll just tell you, frankly, Royce, how it works with me. Um, I look at my own life, and I, and I just think of all the things that I do so poorly. I don't do very many things well, and I feel bad about that. But I can do one thing for Jesus that's good, and that's teach. So I'll teach. Give me an opportunity to teach, I'll teach. I'll, I'll teach, man, I'll teach. Go to Rwanda, I'll teach, you know, wherever. Um, because I feel like that's one, that's the gift he's given me. And I can, I can do that well. There's a lot of things I can't do very well. And, and so um, if I didn't do that, um, I don't know, it would, it would depress my life in Christ. Um, so I, 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 think it's, I, think it's, I think it's wonderful to, um, to know your gifting and use it. It brings a lot of joy and fulfillment, and not, not only to you, but to others. You know, I think if, if, if we'd never gone to Rwanda and used, used our gift, um, man, all those people, hundreds of people that would, would be poor because of that, you know? Um, so, yeah, when I was in college, I wanted, to, I wanted to quit school and become a street evangelist. There was a guy up in Boulder. This was Jesus movement days, the beards and, you know, hippie movement type of thing. There was a guy that did street evangelism up in Boulder, big, big, Big heavy set guy with a great big beard and a 
with his wife. They just lived up there and, and did street evangelism, you know, had the beads on and hippie clothes and everything. <laughs> I thought, I mean, that's what I wanted to do. I was so zealous and everything. What if I'd done that? And I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't gone to Denver Seminary and beefed up on my ability to teach and gone out there to Rome and te- to teach. Man, I just think, wow. So, all right, good question. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, you guys. Well, let's let's call it quits. Why don't you write down? I know it's kind of late. Why don't you write down one or two things? We don't have to share them, but write down. I'm going to give you two, three minutes here. Write down a takeaway, something you want to remember, something you want to do, something that was just a good thought, um, something you want to thank God for, whatever, whatever you want to write down. Um, All right, well, good. Next week, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about last session. We'll talk about um, how, do, how do we live with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, you know? Um, that, was really, that was really nebulous to me for decades, you know? And um, I think a lot of people, you know, they read that, 
Ephesians, it talks about Ephesians, it talks about, you know, walk with the Spirit, keep the step of the Spirit, and be filled with the Spirit, you know. Yeah, what does that mean? Uh, you know, in Rwanda, I, was, I had to teach those guys that passage. I thought, man, I can't just give some nebulous answer. I got to figure out, I got to figure out what this means. How does this work? So, um, and it's really been helpful to me as, as I've thought about it. So, hopefully it'll be helpful to you guys too. Um, because I, th- I think that's true of a lot of things. We read it, and it, it just kind of, oh, yeah, walk in the Spirit. Yeah, okay, yeah, I pray about that. Yeah, yeah. But how do you really do that? I mean, Paul assumes it. It's something that we do. We know how to do. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think it's, he gives some good, good, good ideas there. But we'll try and dis- distill those out so that it makes sense to us next week. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gifting of the Spirit. Um, what an amazing thing that is, that each of us has something, something. It might only be one thing that we can do really well for you. And you've done everything for us. And uh, thank you that though we're sinners and so imperfect, full of so many problems and flaws, um, that there's one good thing that we can do. And uh, I, I pray that you would help us all to discover what that is and and do it and uh, just Feel the joy and the and the and the reward of um, doing that for you, um, and the the blessing that that will be to uh, to the other people um, whom our lives can then touch. So uh, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for these people that have come on these uh, these um, um, summer nights when they could be doing all kinds of other things, um, but they've come to uh, learn about the Holy Spirit. This blessing for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>